Hi, you are listening to a sermon from Harvest Community Church in Hawking Estates, Illinois. You will be hearing a sermon from Pastor Jared Aron. So without further ado, here he is. Hey, good morning, everybody. Um, if you're new to Harvest or you're from Emmanuel, my name is Jared. I'm one of the pastors here at Harvest Community Church. And obviously today's a little bit different. It's something we call Connection Sunday. We do this every other month, and uh, it's a shorter message, and then we have time at the tables to kind of respond and share related to the message. And we've been going through uh, different one another statements that are found in the New Testament as kind of focus for the sermon series for Connection Sunday. And so Pastor Dave put together a list of choices, and there was one that really stood out to me. Uh, I was really intrigued. I'm usually a play it safe kind of guy, but I said, you know, I was just like, go for it. And it's a statement in Romans 16, 16, uh, where Paul says to the church of Rome, greet one another with a holy kiss. And uh, if you're an introvert this morning, I know it's hard enough being at a table with other people. And then you hear this message about a holy kiss and you're wondering, where is this going to go? But just trust me this morning. I will take care of you. And we're eventually going to get to what the holy kiss means. But I want to first step back and look at the entirety of Romans 16. So if you have a Bible, if you have your phone with you, turn to Romans 16 now. If you are, you're familiar with the Bible and scripture, you know the book of Romans is one of the most theologically rich pieces of scripture. As Paul's writing to the church at Rome... He outlines some key doctrines that have stood with the church for over 2,000 years. Doctrine about justification by faith. The issue of sin and salvation. And God's sovereignty, especially over the people of Israel. And there's so much depth and weightiness to this letter. And then you get to chapter 16. And in my Bible, the heading is called Personal Greetings. I don't know about you when, you, when I'm reading my Bible and I'm at the introduction or the conclusion, I can often just kind of skim through these parts. But at the end of this letter to the Romans, we see Paul's heart for the people in the Roman church. We get a glimpse of his personal relationships with his family of believers. And I believe this morning there are some important things that God wants us to be reminded of through Romans 16, but about what it means to be the family of God, spiritual brothers and sisters in Christ. And specifically, how do we practice loving one another? And I want to share this morning three, very briefly, three key building blocks for Christian community that Paul models here in Romans 16. I believe these are very significant for our churches today. And they're a call for us to grow in our love for one another and to really step it up in being the family of God. Uh, So the first one I want to share is in the family of God, we acknowledge one another. Or, Or to put it another way, we notice one another. It's important to first understand Paul's relationship with the church at Rome. In Romans 15, 23, we get a a bit of a clue. 
Paul writes, but now there is no more place for me to work in these regions. And since I have been longing for many years to see you, I plan to do so when I go to Spain. Uh, Here in a few other verses in Romans, it's clear Paul has never visited the church at Rome since it's been established. And this is important as we read through these greetings uh, that he's going to offer the church there. So remember that Paul has never visited this church. And I'll be honest, I'm pretty nervous about reading this text because there's a lot of names here and they're, they're not easy names. So uh, here we go. I commend to you our sister Phoebe, a deacon of the church in Sancria. I ask you to receive her in the Lord in a way worthy of his people and to give her any help she may need from you. For she has been the benefactor of many people, including me. Greet Priscilla and Aquila, my co-workers in Christ Jesus. They risked their lives for me. Not only I, but all the churches of the Gentiles are grateful to them. Greet also the church that meets at their house. Greet my dear friend Epinetus, who is the first convert to Christ in the province of Asia. Greet Mary, who worked very hard for you. Greet Andronicus and Junia, my fellow Jews who have been in prison with me. They are outstanding among the apostles, and they were in Christ before I was. Greet Ampliatus, my dear friend in the Lord. Greet Urbanus, our co-worker in Christ, and my dear friend Stachus. Greet Apelles, whose fidelity to Christ has stood the test. Greet those who belong to the house of Aristobulus. Greet Herodian, my fellow Jew. Greet those in the household of Narcissus who are in the Lord. Greet Tryphena and Tryphosa, those women who worked hard in the Lord. Greet my dear friend Persis, another woman who has worked very hard in the Lord. Greet Rufus, chosen in the Lord, and his mother, who has been a mother to me too. Greet Asyncritus, Phlegon, Hermas, Patrobus, Hermas, and the other brothers and sisters with them. Greet Philologus, Julia, Nerus, and his sister, and Olympus, and all the Lord's people who are with them. Greet one another with a holy kiss. All the churches of Christ send greetings. I'm sure I butchered half of those names. And now I have this image in heaven when I get there. The Roman church is going to be waiting for me. And I'm like, thanks a lot, man, for messing up my name that day. Well, in this short section, Paul mentions 33 people by name, including 26 people in the church at Rome. Paul probably met some of them during his travels, but others he has just heard about. And yet he's able to greet 26 individual people by name. So why does this matter? After writing such a beautifully, spiritually loaded letter, inspired by the Holy Spirit, Paul brings it home and reminds us in this passage that the church is made up of people. A bunch of individuals who have names. Individuals who have been created in the image of God. Individuals who have been purchased by the blood of Jesus Christ. And individuals who are now his brothers and sisters. 
Paul acknowledges these individuals by name because they matter to him. He cares about them personally because they're part of his spiritual family now. In the family of God, we are called to notice each other, to recognize one another, and acknowledge one another by name as individuals who are unique and matter to God. And I'll be honest, as I was reflecting on this, um, I, want, I want to offer a confession. Because on Sundays, for myself and many others who are getting things ready for the service, I get into task mode. And I walk by people. And I miss opportunities to acknowledge individuals. And I sincerely want to apologize for this. If you've been on the other side of this and have been affected, me, been affected by me in any way, I truly am sorry. Because the church is not a program. It's not a bunch of tasks. It's not just an organization. We are a people. We are a family. And we need to be more attentive to one another rather than the tasks and the duties of keeping programs and services running. One of the most practical ways that we can do this is to learn each other's names. In a group of 100, 200 people, you're not going to know everybody's name. And I just want to challenge us each Sunday to take a step to meet a few more people that you don't know. And today you have a great opportunity to do that at your tables. You have a name tag. It removes the obstacle of even asking someone's name. And as people are sharing their names and their stories during our our sharing time, acknowledge them by listening and giving each individual your undivided attention. The second building block is in the family of God, we affirm one another. We affirm one another. Notice in Romans 16 that Paul doesn't list names, but he goes beyond that for some of the individuals. He speaks of words of affirmation and words of blessing to them. Let's look at Romans 16, 12. It says, greet Tryphena and Tryphosa, those women who work hard in the Lord. Most commentators think that these two women are sisters, possibly twins. And their names come from a root word which means dainty or delicate. And most likely they were from an aristocratic background, an elite family. And yet what does Paul say to them? Those women who work hard in the Lord. Paul is speaking affirmation to these two ladies. He's saying that your given name might be dainty and delicate, but that's not who you are. In Jesus Christ, you have become strong women, significant as you labor for God. Paul encourages these sisters, affirming that they are two tough women who are laying it down for Jesus. And then verse 13, it says, Greet Rufus, chosen in the Lord, and his mother, who has been a mother to me too. Does anybody remember the name of the man who carried the cross?
for Jesus on the road to Golgotha. Anybody? Shout it out. Simon? Yeah, Simon from Cyrene. Okay, so many believe that the Gospel of Mark was written to the church in Rome. So let, let's check out what Mark says about Simon. In Mark fifteen twenty one. It says, A certain man from Cyrene, Simon, the father of Alexander and Rufus, was passing by on his way in from the country, and they forced him to carry the cross. Did you catch that? The father of Alexander and Rufus. So why would Mark point out the two sons of Simon? Probably because Rufus is in the church at Rome that Mark is writing his gospel to. So Paul here is offering greetings to the son and wife of Simon who carried the cross of Jesus Christ. And what does Paul say about Simon's wife? He says, she has been like a mother to me. That's, that's the beautiful thing about a spiritual family. You gain brothers and sisters, mothers and fathers and sons and daughters. And then can you imagine Rufus? One day he comes to church and he hears that the Apostle Paul has written a letter to his family of believers. And he's sitting there and the letter is getting near the end. And he hears his name read. And then he hears these words, Rufus, chosen in the Lord. I think Paul is saying, Rufus, your dad was chosen by God to help carry the cross of Jesus. And that changed his life forever. And now it's changed your life forever. Rufus, never forget that God has chosen you. And my guess that these words of affirmation that Paul offered to Rufus marked his life forever. He would never forget these words. Rufus, chosen in the Lord. What about in your life? Had there been times where someone spoke affirmation into your life and it marked you forever? I can think of certain people that have done this for me. I'll never forget the words of blessing that they've given me. In the family of God, we affirm one another. We cannot be silent or withhold affirmation from one another. I believe when we withhold affirmation, we're weakening the body of Jesus Christ. And I think we shy away for two... from from offering affirmation for two different reasons. Either we're just too preoccupied with ourselves, number one, which isn't a good thing, or number two, we're afraid if we affirm someone, we might build up their ego. They might get too proud. But I don't know about you, when someone affirms me, it spurs me on to follow Jesus more wholeheartedly and to continue to lay my life down for him. I really, I really want to see us as the family of God, affirming one another, encouraging each other, and speaking truth into each other's lives. And we will strengthen the body of Christ when we do that. 
Okay, the last thing. In the family of God, we display affection for one another. So Paul says, greet one another with a holy kiss. I really wanted to invite Pastor Dave and Pastor Frank up here to demonstrate this for us. But honestly, one of them would be mortified by that. And the other would be a little too excited about it. I'll let you figure out who is who. But the holy kiss, it was an innocent display of affection in the early church. In the first few centuries of the church, during their gatherings, there would be a time of greeting like we did earlier. And the men would kiss the men and the women would kiss the women. So it's important to understand this was a non-sensual act between the same genders. And the kiss was on the cheek or on the forehead. Or for the men, it was sometimes on the beard. I'm not sure how that worked out. But there was a reason why the holy kiss was displayed in the early church. There's a reason why Paul called the Roman church to this act of affection. The holy kiss was a symbol of love that displayed the tight-knit family of the early believers. They didn't just talk about affection and loving one another. It was on display every single gathering. And it had spiritual significance, reminding them that they were brothers and sisters in Christ. So for us today, I mean, let's be honest. I don't think anybody is going to accuse many churches in the U.S., of overdoing it with physical affection among the same genders in the church. I mean, we we don't get the label as being touchy-feely as Christians. I believe the danger for us is to completely dismiss the practice of the holy kiss as being just a cultural thing in the first century. That this doesn't apply for us today. I'm sure in the Roman church there were introverts, people with personal space issues, people who grew up, grew up in broken families where affection was not displayed. But they committed themselves to the practice of affection with the holy kiss. And I think we've got to ask the question, what can we point to today that's a physical symbol of our love and affection for each other in the family of God that's any different than the world. I believe this is an area where we really need to grow as believers and really think about this wrestle with how do we display affection to each other. So my plea for us this morning is not to brush this off, but to really think about it, really pray about it, really wrestle with How do you display affection to your brothers and sisters in Christ? If we are the family of God, it needs to be evident in how we display affection. And I get it that kissing probably wouldn't be culturally appropriate. But I think if I had to offer a target, I think we need to move towards hugging and embracing one another. I think that's a good target. 
In general, this is going to be a lot harder for the guys. Uh, let's just be honest, yeah. Um, and there's going to be awkward moments like this. You know, you kind of, you're leaning there for the hug and you're fully committed. And they're, they're sticking their hand out, you know. So for those who really struggle with this and you really have like personal space issues, I want to just walk you through like step by step how we can grow in this. So maybe, maybe the fist bump is where it starts. It's pretty easy. And then it moves to maybe a handshake, you know, like a really hearty handshake. And then you can kind of add in the touch, you know, from the back, you know, touch of someone's back. But then I think eventually we got to move towards the embrace, side hug, some sort of hug. If these guys can do it, why can't we? I'm not going to say any more. To wrap things up, I mean, love expresses itself. Love in the family of God is no different. It needs to be expressed. And so it's got to start with us just acknowledging one another, learning each other's names and then stories. Then we can move towards affirming and blessing each other with words of affirmation and encouragement. And then last, we just, we really have to wrestle with this. How do we display affection for one another? So we're going to have some time at the tables now. And what I want us to do, uh, especially for the Emmanuel members, just to give you an idea of what we do, we're going to have about 25 minutes at our tables. The first few minutes, just go around the table and introduce yourself, uh, share your name, what church you attend, how long you've been attending your church, and uh, where you live. And so everybody does that, uh, one, one round through. And then, then we have two questions that, as you feel led to share about, you can share at your table. The first question is, share about an experience or a person in your life. Uh, if you look back on your story, where someone made a difference in your life by acknowledging you, uh, affirming you, or displaying affection to you. So do your best to think about your story and to be able to share you know, one of those moments in your life. And the second question is to share about how God might be calling you to grow in one of these areas, acknowledging others, affirming, or displaying affection. And, and so during this time where we're sharing on these questions, um, maybe just share... Uh, related to one of them. Just choose one, because we might not have enough time for everybody to share about both. And after someone at your table shares, um, someone at the table to volunteer to pray for that person. After they take the step to open up part of their story, uh, just to affirm them by praying for them. So we're going to have about 25 minutes. I want to actually give you a couple minutes just to silently reflect about the message and these questions before we go into the table. So take two minutes now uh, to reflect, and then I'll, I'll pray for us before we dismiss into our tables. Thanks for listening to the sermon from Harvest Community Church. If you would like more information or have any questions or comments, 
check out our website at harvest-community.org. Thanks for listening.